Good morning and welcome. I'm Ashley. And I'm Paige. And welcome to Flawless. Paige and I were occasional roommates in law school and more often partners in crime. We've recently decided to expand our horizons by starting a podcast. This is the very first episode that the two of us are putting out. We'll discuss various topics, depending on things that interest us at any given time. Now to tee up our first topic. Since Halloween is quickly approaching, we thought that a discussion of the paranormal would be a great way to kick off our podcast. And as a special treat, we will have a guest speaker a little bit later on uh, who will be joining us to talk about some of her experiences with paranormal investigations. Now, Paige and I went to law school in Lexington, Virginia, which has quite a bit of history behind it, a lot of it involving the Civil War. When Paige and I moved to Lexington, we were told a number of stories involving spirits of well-known soldiers and even horses that were supposedly still hanging around the area. And even before law school, both of us had a huge interest in the potential of the paranormal. Now, with that in mind, Paige, tell us, do you believe in ghosts and have you had any experiences with them? So thank goodness I have not had any like real verifiable experience with them. And um, I like to live in the world where I'm not going to, but um Living in Lexington was definitely a trip. I remember the first time I went to visit you and I saw the ghost tour going past your apartment. And I was like, "That's this cannot be good. Like Having a ghost tour in the town that I'm living in can never be a good thing. But my mom was very into this. And we used to spend every Halloween watching Ghost Hunters all night on TV. It was like the best memories of us. And um, she loves to go on a ghost hunting little tour every once in a while. So I'm really excited to hear about our guest speakers experiences. Yeah. And I have to, I have to say, I went on a ghost tour early in my time in Lexington and was quite upset when one of the first stops was in the alleyway right next to my apartment. Um, But it turns out that the story in that alleyway had to do with ghost cats. Uh, So not quite as frightening as you might imagine. It's sadder than you would imagine. I mean, thinking about ghost cats just makes me sad for some reason. That's true. Um, But I guess they, they liked the area enough that they wanted to hang around. So now have you ever gone on an official ghost hunting Sure. I have not. And that's one of the reasons that I'm excited to talk to our guest a little bit later as well, because I think she's going to bring a slightly different flavor to these stories because of the things that she has been able to experience. Uh, I've ever had to deal with um, was probably during our first and second years of law school, um, that first year, the house that you lived in, Paige, and then the house that we shared our second year. Um, Those houses were definitely special. (laughs) 
a lot of special things going on there that I did not want to acknowledge while I was there. Yeah. Tell us, tell us a little bit about your experiences in your first year house. So in the first year house, it was built in the 1800s. It had the full parlor doors, the room. It looked like a haunted house. So you're already going in with preconceived notions that this place has to be haunted. Um, but there were just the normal, you know, footsteps up the stairs at night, um, a roommate saying that, you know, her boyfriend, long-term boyfriend would be coming by because he was traveling through. And so if I heard him, you know, he was just going to come in. And so I heard him, I heard him come up the stairs. I heard, you know, the door to my open room open because I thought he was like checking in. And then the next morning I found out that he had not come into town and I had been home alone all night. So just like little things like that were just, um, a little unnerving, but nothing that you could definitively prove had actually happened. Yeah, I I recall um, your house was quite large, and your your roommates would be out of town a lot. And I remember a few times coming over at night, and you know, you guys didn't have a bathroom downstairs, and so in order to use the bathroom, you had to go up to your creepy second floor. Um, and I always just got the weirdest feelings when I was up there. It's like somebody was watching you, um, kind of to the point where anytime I came over, I'd just kind of stay until I needed to use the bathroom and then I'd, I'd go home. <laughs> yeah. And we had similar experiences in our second year house. I know that you had had a few of those experiences yourself in that house. Um, I didn't have as many as you did, I don't think. But I did definitely have the footsteps down the hall sounds, the, you know, unnerving feeling. But didn't you have like a few scary experiences there? Yeah, I think the major one that I had in that house just always gave me the creeps for some reason. Um, But the major experience I had, we had a basement level that had a set of stairs that came up and opened through a door um, by the kitchen. And I was sitting in a chair just right across from that door. And I was talking on the phone to a friend of mine. And all of a sudden, I start hearing very heavy bootsteps coming up that flight of stairs. I mean, it was clear as day. And it sounded like a heavy set man stomping in boots up the stairs one by one, getting closer and closer to the door to the first level. And I'm, you know, on the phone and I ended up just, we had a back door in our kitchen and I just ended up running outside. Um, (laughs) and I didn't mention anything to the friend I was talking to on the phone because I didn't want to sound like I was crazy. Um, but I did ask her at the time, I was like, Hey, what are you doing right now? Um, can I come over (laughs) and just left the house because, um, neither, neither you or our other roommate were home at the time. It was just me. Um, and I still just have no explanation for what that was. Um, but it was so clear. There was no mistaking it. 
Um, Usually when we have these experiences, you're alone, right? So you're questioning whether or not you actually heard it or it could be something else. But I remember sitting in that living room with you once. And I think this it was after the Super Bowl and everybody had gone home and we were just chatting. And there was just this random piece of paper on the floor. And it was just moving back and forth. But all the windows were closed. There was no fan on. There was no reason for this piece of paper to be going back and forth. And I remember looking at you and saying, do you see that? And you said, no, I don't. If we don't see it, it's not happening. <laughs> so, okay, <laughs> Then I don't see it either. But it was just like... Random things like that happening, even when there was like a group of people to witness it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there was a time or two as well. And I really didn't like this story, but I guess there were a couple of times where you um, and I don't think you were alone every time. I think you sometimes had a friend over and they heard it, too. But occasionally you would hear footsteps go down the hallway and into my room all the way to your room it was always your room yeah yeah I I didn't like that at all (laughs) because you thought for sure you would come home and your car would be there but you were not there so yeah those things did happen in that house that house and it did not look like your typical haunted house it was just like your normal 70s ranch so it was not like my first year house where you look at it and think that house is haunted. But I think that's why we picked the house thinking it was just going to be your normal everyday ranch home. It's going to be fine, but it seemed to be like the worst house I've ever lived in. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. And I just didn't like the idea that maybe I was not the only entity living in my room. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And that whole town, like if we were walking home at night, there was just fog on the roads. There was like the whole history with the ghost tours and it was just steeped in ghost stories. So anytime you were walking down the cobblestone streets, it just was a fitting environment for thinking there were ghosts everywhere. It absolutely was. And I think the, the graveyard in the middle of town didn't help too much either. Definitely did not. And on that vein, I know you said you've never gone on any formal ghost hunts or tours. I have, um, but I would love to like bring in our guests and talk about her experiences and maybe we can um, chat with her about what she's seen and experienced or, you know, what devices you can kind of use to solidify some of those feelings you have either, you know, you're just not seeing what you think you're seeing or it's something that's scientifically explainable. Yeah, and um, I'll introduce our guest here in just a minute. Um, I I will say that I think both Paige and I and our guest are kind of on the skeptic side of things, um, regardless of some of the stories we're telling, uh, because, you know, I personally have never seen anything or heard anything that you can definitively point to and say, this is definitely paranormal. However, it is something that I just find fascinating and really enjoy discussing. And so to that end, We are lucky to be joined by a very special guest. Uh, Her name is Yvette, and she has had some paranormal experiences to um, kind of picking up a a hobby of uh, doing some paranormal investigations. And so, Yvette, welcome to our very first podcast. Thank you for joining us. 
Hey, Ashley and Paige, thank you guys so much for um, inviting me to do this. I'm super excited to be here. Um, and yes, I uh, have always had a uh, an interest, we will say, in the paranormal. Um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm in a period in my life right now where I've been doing um, a lot of reflecting um, and one of the things, you know, I've, I've always wondered where this fascination comes from. And so I'm currently sort of writing a memoirs book, um, if you will. And I think I have narrowed it down to um, being so far back as to when my granddaddy passed away when I was like six years old. And um, I, I transitioned after his after his passing from my grandmother's room into his room and I could feel him in there. Um, I could feel his presence in there. And um, I was, of course I was young. So it did scare me the thought of the thought of feeling something that, you know, you couldn't see in there. So I would of course cover my head and close my eyes and, and all the things, because while I was comfortable knowing that I did know that it was him, um, I didn't want to see anything. I was scared to see anything. Um, and so, and also my grandparents, um, my on my mom's side, my mom's parents, they lived in an old antebellum house um, that was like built in the 1700s. And um, so... Uh, I believe it was Paige. You were talking about you were talking about the spooky house and and how it felt, how it looked paranormal, how it felt paranormal. Like a typical, you look at that house and you think, oh my gosh, the house is haunted. That was their house, and um and so I always felt like that house was haunted as well. Um, but I was listening to you guys talking about your stories, and I did. I took a few quick notes. One one thing. <laughs> that I thought about was when you said the the spirits that were in the alleyway behind your apartment I mean spirits of cats like like the best thing you could have um and and then also I know you were talking about the cobblestone streets so interestingly enough um you know stones absorb energy um and so a lot of places that you go to that are haunted or that have residual energy left over you'll notice they they are made up of a, a stone of some kind that holds that energy. Um, and so, yeah, you probably, um, a civil war, can you imagine a civil war in cobble, in those cobblestone streets? I mean, the blood that, that is absorbed and the energy that is absorbed into those, those cobblestones, it's still there. And so, yes, yeah, there was a story about those streets that, um, traveler, the horse from who was it? Stonewall Jackson's horse. That it was uh, Robert E. Lee's. Robert E. Lee's horse. Yeah. yeah, he walks up and down the streets, and if they don't keep the doors to the barn open, you can hear the footsteps clip clopping all night. But if they, you know, because he goes back into the barn, which is just a funny little ghost haunting story about yeah. a horse. So that would probably I would attribute that to being, um, and you know, there's different types of. Um, hauntings right so residual is something that it's just a pattern that repeats itself there's no intelligence to it um 
it, it there might be um a set of circumstances that sort of triggers it to happen so it's not like every night at two o'clock the horse goes clip clop you know down the cobblestone but um I mean, or maybe they do, but that's what a residual, that's what a residual style haunt is, is something that, that has a pattern that keeps happening, um, over and over again. And there, but there's no intelligence to it. It doesn't know you're there. Um, it can't interact with you. It's just doing what it does. Um, and so that's probably what you had going on, on, on with the horse on those cobblestone streets. It's just the energy. It's just the energy repeating the pattern. Yep. Yep. And when you look at, you know, Stonewall Jackson was buried in the cemetery in the middle of the town. And there was another story regarding his gravestone. There was a, um, uh, basically a, a stone statue of him on top of his grave. And the story was, if you went there at night, uh, that the head of the statue would turn to follow you wherever you were walking through the that, graveyard. That, that, Which, by the way, we tried a number of times and never saw that happen. Thank goodness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it, I attribute things like that sort of to um, the same line of thought where every... Every Orpheum or, you know, theater has a ghost and her name seems to always be Mary. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> like every, every ghost yard with a statue, you know, if it's a statue of an angel, it cries um, bloody tears. Or, you know, if it's the head, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I dismiss things like that a lot. And so that's where the skepticism comes in because I think a lot of that is just urban legend, I guess, if you will, like just tales to make things that are already creepy, creepier. Um, In Chicago, and we have a number of resurrection Marys who hike up, hitchhike outside of cemeteries. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the bride, the bride that got hit, you know, by died on her wedding night and she walks the the country street in her in her wedding gown you know hitchhiking I don't know I just I have a hard time believing (laughs) those types of (laughs) tales because there's too many of them there's too there's just too many of them and we tried many times in the graveyard to get Stonewall Jackson to look at us um (laughs) without success and (laughs) what would you have done if you did (laughs) Uh, well, I can tell you, we were out there one time with a guy friend of ours, and he thought that he saw that start to happen. And he jumped right behind me, as though I was going to protect him. Um, so I, I can't say what I would have done, but I, I'm really interested. And I'm sure pages too to hear um, a little bit about uh, when you go on those investigations, the kind of tools that you use to investigate, and then any findings that you may have come across. Okay, yeah. Um, So, well, first of all, um, and going back to the conversation you and I had um, a few days ago, the yeah, it seems to me that what I'm learning is um, when I'm out there looking for it 
it's less likely to happen. Most of my experiences, my my memorable experiences have been um, when I wasn't expecting them or when I wasn't looking for them. So um, I used to live in an old house in Midtown that was probably an 1800s house. And um, they found when they were renovating the house, a bunch of letters in the walls um, and from a boy named Ronnie. So they had a ghost and they named him Ronnie. And I believe Ronnie was, um, he was an intelligent spirit, right? So he could, he could sort of interact, um, if you will. So one night I had, um, had dental surgery done. And so I was all hopped up on, you know, the pain meds that they give you for that. And I distinctly remember him, um, while I was trying to sleep, walking, around the bed and and like I could feel him leaning down and checking on me to make sure I was okay and then he just left but what's funny is the next morning my roommate she's she was a huge U2 fan and she had uh she loved Bono and she had a poster of Bono up on on the wall on her side of the bed and for no explicable reason that poster came out of its tacks and fell on her. The tacks were still in the walls and it fell on top of her while we were sleeping. And she jumped up and was like, damn it, Ronnie, that's not funny. But really, I mean, to me, it was, it was, it was pretty (laughs) funny. Um, And then, and then you were talking about the paper moving also. um, And, and we experienced that as well. Like that house didn't have closets. So we had those um, external closets you know, where you hung your clothes on and we would be playing a game or, or doing something. And the, the clothes, like the sleeves would lift up as if somebody picked the sleeve up and dropped it. So those, those are the ones that I say, you know, those types of situations, I wasn't looking for anything to happen. It just did. Whereas um, when I go on these investigations, when I'm looking for something to happen, um, I, I think I deter the ghost or I repel them or something because it just feels to me like um, nothing ever happens. Not to say we don't get any evidence, but it just, I don't know, maybe we're trying too hard. Um, but we've been to lots of places. Um, we've been to uh, Old Southern Funeral Home, Rosemont. Uh, we got some EVPs, which is electronic voice phenomenon. So, that's the most common tool that any ghost hunter would use. And I would say that that is like, um, it's a staple, uh, for any investigation is a digital recorder. Um, because the digital, go ahead. Um, with the EVP, did you hear words or was it more muffled when I have gone on ghost hunts before? Like, it's really hard to make out if you're actually hearing words or if it's just, you know, background noise. There are some, there are some that um, are, are more clear than others. Um, and, and some of it, I think you could attribute to background noise, but um, not all of them. Um, and so I have, we have a Facebook page, uh, Mid-South Investigators of Supernatural Truths. 
is the name of our group. Mist is the name of our group. And so I have those those EVPs that we that we have. I don't tell you what I hear because I think that what I hear can influence what you think you hear. Um, so I just put those out there and ask people to listen to them and tell us what they think they hear just to see if anybody hears the same thing I do. And along those lines, are these EVPs typically something that you would notice while you were investigating or are they something that you hear when you go back and review the tapes? Yep. That's an excellent question. So an EVP um, is only electronic. So you do not hear it at the time. If you hear something at the time, that's called a disembodied voice. So you can hear that um, while you're, while you're in a room talking. If you hear something, if you hear something say something that's not there, then that's called a disembodied voice that's heard real time. And it can also be picked up um, on the, on the audio of the digital recording. But an EVP is something that it, it happens. You guys, we could, it could be happening right now. We could be having this conversation. And when we go back and listen, there could be something in the background that says something to us that we do not hear at the time, but we hear it when we re- when we go back and we listen. Um, that would be amazing. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you know what else would be, if you're thinking about it from the ghost point of view, how frustrating that is to never be heard. Unless somebody yes. happens to have a recording <laughs> device. Can you imagine the like decades and of frustration yes. that you're facing? Yes. And so they've got all kinds of that's that's also a good point. Like they've got all kinds of new equipment out there that that can help with that, where you can hear things more real time. So, first of all, um, of course, you can now you can record and listen live at the same time. So that's helpful. Um, I haven't figured out how to do that, though, because if I'm listening um, really hard while I'm recording, I'm and you're also trying to hear the person you're with, like, I don't know if I could have both of that going on. Um, I just, that might be a little bit too much multitasking for me. Yeah. But Um, um, they have, they have um, ovulus. They have these things called like an ovulus, or you can do, um, it's like a Frank's radio was the original uh, invention, but so an ovulus, I have one of those. It is, um, it's a little device that has a dictionary of words. It's like a database of all kinds of words. And what it does is, it it measures the the atmosphere that you know that your current atmosphere and as the as spirits right spirits are made up of energy so as the energy in the atmosphere changes it it cha- it picks those words from the dictionary to create to communicate with you and so um the theory being that a spirit is made up of energy and so the energy can control the atmosphere to to get the device to say the words that it's trying to tell you real time um, and another, have you, have you ever had any experiences with the ovulus that you think were meaningful to the place that you were, um, exploring? 
I have. Um, and, and I'll say there's a lot of guesswork with that ovulus, at, at least for me. I mean, I see shows, you know, all the time and, and it seems like their ovulus goes off and they're just having some kind of conversation. And I don't know, it's a show, so it could be, you know, cut to made it to edited to make it seem like, um, you know, that conversation was real time and made all the sense in the world where in my world that I live in, where there's no editing and it's really happening real time, um, there's a lot of guesswork involved, right? Because it spits out these words and you're trying to guess what they mean by these words. Um, so for the most part, I have, um, it's just a lot of guesswork and I have no idea if I'm on the right path. So like we do the, we do the digital recording at the same time, just in case we get something that would parallel with what we heard at the time on that ovulus. Um, but I was at my daughter's uh, friend's grandmother's house um, one time and they had had, you know, some death in there and they were convinced that the place had spirits um, of some of their their relatives that had, had gone on. And um, so she asked us to come out and and investigate. And first time ever, and it hasn't done it again since then, the ovulist said multiple times, um, I think it, I think her name was Nana or Nani. They called her Nani and the, and the ovulist said Nani. And um, so, yeah, that, that was unique because it meant something. That's what they called her, um, the grandmother. And so, um, that was that gave me chill bumps when that happened, but and it happened like three times only in this one particular room. It had to be a crazy moment for them. Oh. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Um, and I did want to quickly ask about uh, something that you brought up earlier, which is you know the difference between EVPs and disembodied voices. Have you ever? Uh, experienced hearing a disembodied voice in any of these investigations? <laughs> um, no, I have not in any investigation, but um, in my grandparents' house, back when we were, I was teenage, a teenager, we were, <laughs> we experienced, we were going to do a seance and scare the little kids. Um, my cousin and all his friends and myself, and we were going to do a fake seance and scare our brothers and our brothers. Um, and we were getting things ready for the fake seance. And uh, so one of the boys was um, in front of me. And then I was, we were going up the stairs and one of the boys was in front of me. And then myself and another boy were um in the middle and then my cousin was kind of towards the end the bottom of the stairs and we heard very clearly a typical like like <laughs> and we thought that it was the boy we thought it was the boy that was in front of me like messing with us and so we were like oh yeah cut it out and then he turned around and his face was as white as a sheet and he booked it out of that house like his butt was on fire 
<laughs> so, you know, <laughs> I don't know, you know, I don't know where that voice came from. And it was hilarious that it was the tip, the atypical, like, woo, like the thing that you always say that a ghost says. So um, some, somebody in that house had a sense of humor, I would say. Well, you've got to wonder how many times you hear disembodied voices, but you don't know it. You know, those times where somebody's in a different room and you're like, what'd you say? And they're like, nothing. But yeah, you don't know yeah. it could have been. Yeah. You never know. You never know. Well, and that reminded me um, of something that I had happily forgotten until just now. Um, and that's, uh, <laughs> it was when I was growing up, I was pretty young, maybe around 10 or so in my childhood home. And there were several nights where I would be in bed, reading, getting ready to go to sleep. Um, and suddenly I would hear breathing that was not my own breathing. Um, and that happened, it wasn't every night, but it did happen way more often than, than I would have cared for. Um, and I have no explanation for that. And I had completely forgotten about it until just now. That's funny. Um, you know, your, your sister and I are, are good friends and we went to visit where your, where your grandmama stays. Um, and I think I know your grandfather had a heart attack, I believe it was. Um, he did. Yes. Yeah. And we were downstairs in that, in that, uh, basement area, or it was like a game room pool. There was a pool table and I was just looking at all the pictures on the walls and just, you know, taking in the feel of the place. And my chest suddenly started hurting. And this was before I knew that, you know, that he had passed away. He had had a heart attack and passed away um, from that. But um, I, I totally wanted to get back and, and do an investigation in there. <laughs> I think if you, if you get a chance, I think that would be a good place to do an investigation. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting that you say that because uh, my grandfather had a heart attack and passed away back in 2004. And the night that he died, um, I obviously had no idea what was going on. I was watching a basketball game with a friend of mine. And at some point during the basketball game, I suddenly started having just a, a massive chest pain, mm -hmm. um, which is it had never happened before, has never happened again. And then the next morning, I found out that he passed away at the same time that I was watching that basketball game. Yeah. Yeah. So it was interesting. I mean, I, you know, I have heartburn and I have acid reflux, but this was, this was different. And so I'll, I'll say that to also, um, sort of lead into like your senses are also your very own tool. And so I think, you know, when we're young, we're more open to that, um, to what we, what we see and feel and hear, we're more open to that. And that's why more children have experiences than, than adults, because as, as adults, we tend to dismiss it. 
we we tend to um, just, you know, write it off or explain it away. And, you know, maybe we shouldn't be doing that all the time. Down our hallway. And when we would have visitors, they would always feel really creeped out by the hallway. And one time she said she saw just like a shadowy figure in the hallway. And my husband responds with, oh, I saw that too. And what are you doing? Like, why are we... <laughs> Like agree, just say you owe him within his shadow, or like what you don't even believe in ghosts. Why would you tell her that? And he's like, well, I didn't want her to feel like she was crazy. I have seen something like that, but it's just really hard to explain away sometimes. And you want to to make the kids, you know, feel comfortable in their surroundings because it's very hard to explain the unexplainable. Mm-hmm. It is, but but I agree with like don't don't because kids have there are kids that have abilities and so you don't want to make them feel ashamed or embarrassed or um like they're going crazy you know you don't you know you don't like it when you feel like you might be crazy right when somebody's like oh i don't see that you're crazy um so you know why would we do that to our children so i like that even though he doesn't believe in it i i really like and respect that he that he said yeah you know i've seen that too because that that gives her the um the channel to come back and 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 feel like it's okay to talk about those things with you guys because you're open to hearing what she's you're not just um dismissing what she's saying you're you're open to believing what she's telling you and that's great Yes, and maybe also solving it by going to a crystal shop and letting her um, pick up <laughs> some crystals that brought her comfort to help when she sees those things. So yeah. she felt very um, comforted by having tools to work with. That's you know, great. Put whatever makes you feel better. Yeah, put some above her doorway, and that'll that'll um, you know the ones that make her feel good. Put those above her doorway and um, tell her that will prevent any negative. Um, energy from from coming into her room. That's a really good idea. We put them in a little box, um, and she like really she felt connected to this little box, so she puts them in a box and puts them under her pillow. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. But when you've yeah. been um, on your ghost hunting adventures, have you used um, thermal imaging, and have you seen anything in that? Yeah, um, my my teammate. He has a thermal, a little thermal handheld camera, and um, we've not seen a whole lot with that. I do love the idea of that. I don't know. Maybe I need a bigger screen. I'm more the the audio person, and he's more the video person. Um, so I can't say that we've had a whole lot of experience with that, um, but we do have that in our arsenal, and and it would be amazing to actually capture something. Um, but so far, I don't, not really. Um, if you get the chance and you haven't already, the Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have stayed there. Have um, you? We did the thermal have. imaging there and actually saw it was crazy. You You did? Yes, in the basement. Okay, okay. Well, I didn't have uh I didn't have that back when I stayed there but I went with my my mom and I went there and, and I requested one of the most haunted rooms 
So we did not see anything in our room, but we were terrified when the ghost tour stopped at our room for a very long time because I wanted to stay there, but I didn't actually want to see anything. And we were going to take the ghost tour later. So we were in our room just hanging out, playing board games, and we hear them at our door and they were there for way too long. And I was like, why are we staying in the room where the ghost tour is stopping? So it was a little, it's one thing to stay in the haunted hotel. It's another thing to stay in the very haunted room in the haunted hotel. But yeah. luckily nothing happened while I was there. So yeah, yeah. so I, I, I'm just the opposite. I go in requesting those rooms. <laughs> I think both of you are much braver than I am because while I think it would be fascinating to go in and do an investigation, I think I'd be very uncomfortable sleeping over at any of these places. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I can sleep anywhere. I say I can sleep standing up. So, and the thing is, I'm such a heavy sleeper that even if something was happening, like they'd have to drag me out of the bed for me to realize something was going on. And yet yeah. you did sleep in a, a house that was almost definitively haunted for an entire year when you were in law school. So you could do it. Yeah. I, I just tried to make sure that I was never sleeping there when neither one of you two, uh, my roommates were around. Um, it was Arguably, your room was the most haunted. Yeah. Which again, made me feel very <laughs> uncomfortable. She, she remember if you don't acknowledge it, it didn't happen. That's right. been my philosophy in life. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I had to adopt because otherwise, you know, you start thinking about it and it can uh, make you feel like it's not a place that you should be, which I mean, as soon as our lease was up that year, like there was no talk of renewing at that house. And then our third year, we moved into a much newer build that was unlikely to have any sort of the same phenomena going on. It seemed like that house was not, I mean, because it was a very Civil War heavy history historical town. And the house that we lived in second year was not like my first year house, which was, you know, clearly, you know, antebellum. It was very, you looked at it and you thought, haunted. they had the open cellar in the back, the parlor doors, the little thing on top. But the house second year did not look like it would be. And I feel like it was more the land. And so mm -hmm. have you ever had that experience where you found like the land was more, had more energy than say the buildings? Right. You can't, you can't rely on uh, just a building, right? I mean, a new build can be haunted. Um, it's because of the land that it's, that it's built on. Um, think about people who build their houses on um, burial grounds and they don't, they don't realize that they, you know, that there used to be a cemetery there or um, like the house that I'm in now. Um, well, the one that my mother's in it, we're on this, we're on this land and she's, she's seen a few shadows, um, but her house is a brand new build, but there was a house there before hers. And there were people who passed away in that house more than one. So um, it's possible that, she's experiencing some residual in her in her new build house that's not related to the house but the land that it's on 
at the yeah. land of our second year house, we, I don't think we ever went in the backyard and every morning you would wait, it was just fog. And you could just imagine the civil war soldiers walking out of that fog. Like it was just mm-hmm. really disturbing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it but, was, it was super creepy. And my bedroom looked out onto the backyard. Um, Cause I think both of uh you guys' bedrooms, I think, looked out toward the front, if I recall yeah, correctly. Yeah, facing, and you faced the backyard, which might explain why your house, your room was the, you know, epicenter for all the activity back in the basement. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then I remember going to look at our third-year house and walking in, and it, there was just a heaviness to the second-year house. You walked in, you felt a heaviness, like a sadness. Mm-hmm. It was just, it felt different. And I remember walking into the third-year house and thinking, oh, it feels light, <laughs> like we could live here. It was, it was a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And as haunted as that whole town was, I don't think we ever had any experiences in the third year house. Nope. I definitely didn't. And I don't recall anyone else saying anything either. No. So it was a success for us third year. We finally picked a good one. <laughs> Depending on how you look at what a good one is. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> your, success, your success, my failure. <laughs> We went to Savannah with my mom and she um, downloaded this app that she said would show you where the ghosts were, which we were laughing about. And we were walking out on the, you know, the riverfront and she's doing, and she's talking to ghosts. And I was like, you know, people are going to think you're insane because she's having, oh, hi there. It's like, they're waving to me, but it was like stick figures. And it was like, there was nothing there, but in the phone you could see the stick figure waving at you and we went to that cemetery there that's supposedly very haunted and there was one we were at a um, gravestone and it was a husband and wife buried there and she had the camera on it and you could see these two stick figures like swirling around it looked like they were dancing I mean we recorded it it was the craziest thing I would not believe that a phone app could do anything like this but it was just random that Everywhere else, you're not seeing anything in this one spot. All of a sudden, you're seeing these two stick figures swirling around. Okay. Well, first of all, I need to know the name of that app. I will um, send it to you. Okay. Thank you. And second of all, yes, we have, we, that's one of the other things that we do have in our arsenal is an SLS camera, um, which is like, if you think about the video games that you play, so like the Connect. Or, you know, how you stand in front of them and you dance and you do all those things. So it's those cameras. And what they do is they map, they map people, right? That's how they, that's how you, when you're doing the Just Dance videos on your game, it's mapped to your body. And that's how the figure on the screen moves because it's mapped to your body. So the theory being that you connect that to, um, a computer or um, a camera or something of that nature. And it maps to things that the human eye cannot see. And that's where the stick figures come in. And so, yes, we have one of those and we have, we've had some awesome experiences with some, with some images, but you do have to kind of be careful with those because it can map to things to, um, to objects too, right? So if there's a chair um, in there, it might map that chair as a person and really it's just a chair. Um, right. We noticed that when we were walking along the riverfront, because if there were poles or metal poles, it would map that as, you know, one of the, so at first she was like, oh, well, they're leaning against the pole, but 
then we realized it was at everyone. So we were only looking at things where there was nothing yes. behind it that it could possibly be attaching to. Um, so it was just really interesting experience, but, you know, super scary for my daughter because my mom was using that in our hotel room. And so then my daughter did not want to go to sleep. I was oh. like, this is not good for a grandmother to do to her granddaughter. <laughs> you should not yeah. be yeah. using this in the room where we're sleeping tonight. So, okay, I'll have to note that to myself because that sounds like the kind of grandmother I might be. And right now I only, <laughs> I only have, I only have grand dogs and grand kitties. So I'll have to make a mental note. <laughs> That if I ever have grandchildren, I might want to like scale back on my paranormal um, investigating with the kiddos around. <laughs> well, and it's interesting you guys bring up Savannah because I personally have never been, but it's my understanding it's supposed to be one of the most haunted towns in the U.S. And I was talking to a college friend of mine earlier this week and telling her about this podcast. And she was saying, you know, she's pretty much a skeptic, but she and a friend of hers um, a couple months ago visited Savannah and went on a ghost tour. And during the ghost tour, the guide was talking about how occasionally spirits can follow you home. And so they go back to their hotel that night and for some reason, their TV in the room was just randomly turning itself off and on. And so they were kind of um, a little wary about that. And they're pretty sure it was probably, you know, somebody in a neighboring room using their remote and it was affecting their TV. But uh, they thought that was um, interesting timing. I'm always worried about that when I'm going to something that's, you know, a haunted place. And um, I'm always trying to distance myself from, you know, what's going on around me, because I think if I don't acknowledge it, they're not going to follow me home. But um, what do you do with that when you're going on these ghost hunts? Do you ever do anything to try to protect yourself from, you know, spirits tagging along? Yeah, it, that's that's a great question. And, uh, you know, and I don't know if I um, know the answer, but of course, I watch all the I watch all this, the ghost shows and the psychic mediums and all that. And so um, I sort of envision a like a force field around me that protects me um, while I'm there so that like nothing evil or demonic or with any kind of negative intent can, can get to me. And maybe, maybe in doing that, I'm also blocking out the good. I don't know. Cause like I said, I, I hardly ever have any experiences. It's kind of sad. Like if you want to go on a ghost hunt, you probably don't want to take me if you want to have an experience. <laughs> um, but so that's what I do. We say, we say a prayer and then I just envision, um, you know, a white light that I just sort of draw around my body from the top of my head all the way down to the floor, like a force field, I, I guess. Um, and then when we leave, you know, we say very clearly, you know, we're, we're going, thank you for your time. We're going to go and you cannot follow us. And um, I don't, I have no idea if it works, but so far, nothing's ever followed me home. Um, but then again, you know, nothing so far, nothing's ever happened either. <laughs> so, 
But um, I do have a friend. We we visited this. We went on this ghost tour in um in a in a place in I think it was in Mississippi, and really we were just going to this one house. But somehow or another, it was it was around this time of year because it was like the Halloween ghost tour, and they did walking tours around all these different um, historical houses. But we went to this house called Graceland Two. T-O-O, and this guy was completely obsessed with Elvis, completely obsessed. <laughs> and my one of my girlfriends um, said that she felt that, that someone followed her home from that. Um, so, so this is not, this is not a ghost story. Um, however, it's interesting you brought up Elvis because, uh, you know, my parents moved to Memphis back in 1977 and it was my dad's like first day on the job at the hospital he was working at and an ambulance pulls up and everybody is just freaking out and he runs over you know he's a new doctor there and he's like what's going on and it was Elvis wow I was about to say 77 Memphis. It was, it was Baptist. That's right. It was. (laughs) Yep. It was Baptist. Wow. That's, that's wild. So did he actually work on Elvis or? He, he did not work on him. Um. (laughs) So that's wild. Um, I hate that that hospital is no longer standing. Um, yes, we do too. Yeah, it would be cool. It would be cool to go to get in there. Of course, everybody would talk about all this, you know. Of course, be in there. Um, and sort of along those lines, when you do go on these investigations, do you? How do you plan that? Do you? I assume you get permission to do it, but like, what are the logistics of doing that? Um, so we've, so far, we've only been on ones that you have to pay to get into, which I I really wish, you know, that we could get into the field of going to places because people want us to, to come check it out. Um, as opposed to, we want to experience something. So we're paying to go somewhere for the experience. Um, so, with that, you know, you're you're signing a waiver that they have. Now we have reached out to some places and um and requested to come, but most of the places like I said that we've been, we have had to pay and and I'm not above admitting that I have been to a few places without permission. <laughs> um <laughs> and um and they've been they've been quite interesting. Um, there was a little church in in um, Macon, Tennessee, that the first. Now I, I've been in it several times since, but the very first time that I went in there, I will never forget like the feeling that I had walking into that church. It was it was just this little one room church, and I I could feel. Um, the the kids running in and out of the pews and like playing in that in that church and so um so that was like that was good for me it was a, it was a good happy you know there was nothing negative 
there. Did it feel like it maybe was residual energy, just the residual memories of the place? Yeah, it probably was. And this was a long time ago. Um, I'm sure we did some audio. That was back when I first got into an actual ghost hunting group. And so I was kind of, you know, learning the, it's, there's really not a lot to learn except for you just want to make sure you're protected and you don't want to go, um, you know, you don't want to go doing stupid things like provoking and like things that you don't know, like a Ouija board. No, thank you. Um, I'm not opening up a portal for something to come through to make me believe (laughs) That it's like this cute little child and then it turns into like Satan himself. No, thank you. Um, that's not what I'm after. So um, you do have to be careful if you're going to if you're going to do this, you want to protect yourself and you don't want to be stupid. Are there different levels of hauntings or spirits? Like I know you said, you know, there's a residual energy. There's, you know, I've heard of poltergeist. Uh, what have you come across? Um, so I've, I would not say, let's say poltergeist, I've never experienced a poltergeist and I think poltergeist is, um, I don't know, that's kind of got a little bit of negative feel connotation to it. Um, I've only had, I've had EVPs, so I've had the, the voices that I hear after the fact. We also have gotten some shadow figures and shadow movement on some of the videos that we've done. Um, the one of my favorite things to do, and I got this off of um, the show Kindred Spirits, which, you know, Amy and, and Adam were originally members of the Ghost Hunters team and they split off and they have their own show and they do this, this deprivation, this sensory deprivation thing where, where they, put um, headphones, noise canceling headphones on and a blindfold on. And they, they're listening to a radio, um, a radio that does static in it, but it flips through all of the channels, the frequencies really fast. And one of them will ask questions and the person that's listening um, to the radio, the, channels through the radio, they can't hear what that person is asking. And yet, um, words are coming through and they're repeating what they hear. And I love doing that because, because then I know if it, if it makes sense, it's real. Like there's no way that I could know that he asked how many people are here. And I said six. So, um, that's, that's amazing. So you've tried this um, on your own investigations. Yes, I, I try it on lo- several, and and it's also good. I I like to be the one to listen because that's my like I said that's my thing. I like I like the hearing things. I don't know why it just feels more tangible to me. I I guess I can dismiss things that I see easier than I can things that I hear. I don't know if that's true. I'm just. That's what it feels like. Um, and but so I like to be the one to listen, but I also like to be the one um, to question. You want different people. You want to, it doesn't always need to be the same person doing it because different people have different levels of, what's the word I'm looking for? Different levels of sixth 
senses, if you will, because I think everybody has a sixth sense. We just, some are more closed off than others. Um, and so while, and, and also, you know, a spirit may not like me, you know, and it may like you. <laughs> and so it may be more willing to talk to you than it would to me. So you want to change those. If you're not getting anything, um, be sure to change out and see if somebody else is getting something. But it's really, it's really great to um, ask. It's also awesome to ask the questions and hear the answers. Like both experiences are amazing. Um, I was trying to think. We we went to this one place and we did that. And the girl who was doing it, she was in a totally different room. And we were all in this dining room area and one of the lights came on and I would not normally really give that a whole lot except for when that happened, she said something about lantern, um, you know, that the lantern came on at the same time that she was saying that. So those are the types of things that to me or more credible is, is when you have more than one thing happening to corroborate your experience as opposed to just, you know, oh, I heard the name such and such, but, you know, it's the only thing that happened. But if you hear a name at the same time that you notate that your, that your EMF detector, which is an electromagnetic field so if that energy is going higher and the field goes higher then you know there's energy there and then if there's energy there and you have an experience it's more likely to be real absolutely it's, yeah so we're coming up to halloween now and people are very into you know scary things uh, have you had any experiences that really scared you the only one that i can say that was really creepy was um when i was I'm going to, I was in my early, my late teens, my early, I was like 18 or 19. And I was at my boyfriend's apartment's house, boyfriend's apartment. And his roommate um, had a ghost, a spirit attached herself to him when he went to Old Miss. And she just attached herself to him and you know, I never really thought much about it. You know, I had heard them say that he, that, you know, a ghost had attached herself to him, but it was really late one night and, um, I had just finished my book and my boyfriend had gone to bed already and his roommate was, was going to bed. So I was leaving. And as I was backing out, um, of their apartment building, I looked up into their kitchen window and there was this white, figure stand like it was just a head and hair I couldn't make out any facial features it was just like a white figure and it just stood there and like it was watching me leave and the next you know I was like what is that I tried very hard to figure out what on earth that was that could possibly be in their kitchen window um making that shape and I, when I came back the next day, I was looking all in their kitchen and his roommate was like, what, what are you doing? And I said, I told him what happened. And he said, that is so weird because he said he, he got the feeling after he went to bed that he needed to come down and check on me. So I don't, 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. So uh, I don't think his his attachment must not have been very happy with me for some reason. <laughs> so <laughs> she was making sure I was leaving. That is a little bit creepy. Yeah. For some reason, little kid ghosts freak me out. That is, I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like I could see other ghosts and I wouldn't be so freaked out, but little kid ghosts for some reason. I'm like Joey Tribbiani, little girl ghost, just scare me, the thought of it. <laughs> That's because, does it scare you or does it make you sad? Um, You know, when we were at the Crescent Hotel, and I'm sure you heard the story of the little, was it a little girl who fell down the stairwell and can sometimes be seen running up and down? Like mm-hmm. that story, because I know the story, the background to it, that makes me very sad. Um, seeing that ghost would probably just make me very sad, but... In general, it just scares me. <laughs> I don't know what it is about a little kid as a ghost, but. Well, it's probably because, um, and I don't know if you would, because you don't know if it's really a kid. Um, I mean, like, that's one of the tricks that you always hear about is a, a spirit presenting itself as a child, and it's really not. It does that to get you to trust it. But that doesn't mean mm-hmm. all of them, you know. I had kids. never actually thought of that, but now it's like doubled my fear oh, of little kids. <laughs> a whole other level to contend with. Yeah, sorry. So she, you guys wanted me as a guest. This is what you get. <laughs> no, that's very educational. <laughs> you know, for the most part, I think that um, I think that they're just going along, doing their thing. I just want, I like knowing that I can still communicate with my loved ones. Um, I like knowing that they're still around. I don't think they're here 24 seven, um, you know, watching me shower. Cause that's creepy. Um, yeah. you know, or, or anything like that. But I think when the, when the circumstances are right or, um, you know, if there's something they that needs to be told or if there's a history to the place or whatever the whatever the case is, um, then they're there to say hi. And, and I would love to be able to, you know, learn from them and communicate and, and learn about their time. It's it is one of the things that I struggle with, especially when I go to these places that are like, you know, way old (laughs) and our technology is so much more advanced and um than than the time that they came from i struggle with trying to explain what the things are that i'm using that will that will make make them feel at ease right i mean and i go to places and they're like oh hi you're familiar with us you know what this is and you know what it does and i'm like but how do you know they know um so I, I try to find names for like the, like the EMF. It's a, it's an electromagnetic EMF detector and it's an electromagnetic field detector, right? So when the, when the electromagnetic field goes, goes up, when the energy goes up, the little, the lights go up. And so the theory being that with, with spirits being made of energy, they can control that. And they can make those, they can make the lights. Or if there's one there, you can identify that it's there because your lights all of a sudden in the middle of a room 
light up. Um, so, but how do you explain to them what this is and how it's not going to hurt you? It's just got pretty lights on it. You know, do do you call it a toy? Do you call it a device? You know, the terminology is so different that I struggle with um, trying to explain the equipment to them so that they feel comfortable with it instead of scared. And along those lines, you know, you see in a lot of these ghost hunting shows, I think it is the EMF detector that they're using. And occasionally they will try to ask questions. Like once they explain, you know, what the device is and, and how, you know, the, the ghost can potentially use it. Um, you know, they try to ask questions and get a response mm-hmm. uh, through the ghost, either like making it light up once or twice or, you know, once for yes, nothing for no. Um, have you ever done anything like that and gotten results? We've done We've done it with the EMF detector where we've asked it to, we've asked the ghost to make the lights go off to let us know they're there. And I've had that happen. Um, and and sometimes I've had it happen to the point where I'm like, is this thing glitching? Because it, the light just keeps going and going and going. And um, it's almost like they're fascinated with it and they're playing with it. Um, but, and, and yes, no questions. I've had, we've had some successes with the yes, no questions. I do have another uh, device and I don't, I don't know what it's called, really, to be honest, but it's this little pyramid looking thing and it's got, it blinks blue on both sides and there's a red light and a green light. And so if the answer is yes, you know, they can light up the green light and if the answer is no, they can light up the red light. And um, I've tried that, but I've not ever had that um Actually, actually, that's not true. I think once at the at the cemetery, we had it we had it light up uh, green a couple of times for yes. Um, so that's pretty cool when that happens. Um, I, we were at the Maley Manor, and we had all of our equipment. So it's funny because it's funny the things that you can use for equipment. Um, so we have these little cat balls um, that they're th- these little balls that have lights in them and so whenever whenever a cat swats at them it lights up this disco you know lights inside the ball and that you know the cat wants to chase that well the theory being so if the ball moves and nothing's there to move it it's going to light up you're going to see it light up so we that's um something that a lot of people who do ghost hunting um use in their arsenal. And so we had those and we had them in, in several chairs around the room. Um, well, no, that's not true. We had them in several under several chairs around the room, but we also had, um, cause it was one of those where we paid to go investigate and we had, um, everybody had a K2. So we had one, of, which is the, um, EMF is EMF detector. One of them is called a K2 that's the one with all the different um, levels of light. So green, yellow, um, orange, red, depending on how high the EMF is that's being detected. Um, so they had those in all the different chairs in the corner of the room. And 
my my friend, my partner, he said, um, they said, well, maybe you'd like a joke. And so he told a dad joke and it was, I mean, it was just a stupid dad joke. And when, when he got to the punchline and everybody laughed, all of the K2s in the rooms and, and the, the cat toys started lighting up. And so it's kind of funny that like, they need energy. I think they need energy sometimes to communicate. And so that laughter is energy. And um, so that's how they were able to show us that they were there is when everybody in the room laughed, they had enough energy to show us that they were there. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. It was wild. Yeah. Yeah. We had, um, we actually have that on video and on our um, Facebook page. Oh, wow. oh wow. What is your Facebook page if people want to find you and they want to reach out to see if you can do an investigation for them? Yeah. Um, the name of our group is MIST, M-I-S-T, and it's for Mid-South Investigators of Supernatural Truths. Um, and so we haven't, we both, we work full time. So like you said at the beginning, this is, this is a hobby. It's not, I'm not trying to make a living. He's not trying to make a living. We do this. We do this because we are genuinely interested in that field of study. And um, we just, you know, we just want to, we want to experience it and, and know more about it and, and understand and figure out ways to communicate with, with things that are there, but we can't see or, or hear or feel or touch. And, um, so the, the page right now, we haven't been anywhere in a long time. Um, and so it's not really active, but we're steadily getting new people. Um, but I do have, anytime we go on investigations, I do load anything that is potential evidence onto that, that page. What areas do you generally go out to when you do go? Um, so the mid south area, the mid south area is like you know um, Memphis and its surrounding area. But we we've gone to um, we've gone to Hell's Bar Dam, which is it's in like Chatt- outside of Chattanooga, and we've gone to the um, old south. We've gone to um, um, old South Pittsburgh Hospital, which is also right in that Chatt- in that Chattanooga area. Um, we've gone to Rosemont, which is more like in the Nashville um, area. I've not been to Arkansas, but that's not to say I wouldn't go to Arkansas. Um, but we've just not found anything. And then down in down in Mississippi. Um, we've been down in Mississippi, we've been to, um, the McRaven, which is, um, in, oh, I can't think of the name of where that is. Um, but it's a, it's a civil war, you know, uh, on the Natchez trail area, Vicksburg, excuse me. I could not think of what that was called. Um, so we've been as far as Vicksburg, Mississippi. So, We'll travel, um, you know, as long as we don't have to get on a plane and fly. <laughs> if it's <laughs> if it's within a reasonable uh, travel area, we'll go. We'll go in that area. So do you have anything, any place on your wish list that you haven't been to that you would just love to investigate? 
oh my gosh, I have, you know how everybody has, or not everybody, but a lot of people have a bucket list of things they want to do before they die. I have a bucket list of places I want to investigate. (laughs) (laughs) So um, that list is so incredibly long. Um, I can't even, I can't even tell you right now because I don't, it's, it's so long. If you had just like, you know, a top one or two. Waverly Sanitarium. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a big one. Um, there, there's so Uh, many. Gettysburg wouldn't, you know, be too bad either. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to see if I could find like a literally, uh, here it is, haunted the Winchester house, the Whaley house. Ooh. I've always wanted to go to the Winchester house. Me yeah. too. Yep. Amityville. <laughs> I'm not sure if I really want to do that one. I think at the top of my list would probably be Waverly Hills Sanitarium. That would be amazing. That is yeah. one of the places, uh, though, where you would have to be careful not just yep. from a spiritual standpoint, but you know, the building is, is crumbling. So yes. yeah, there are physical dangers yeah. as well. Penhurst asylum is another one. Um, Asylums and sanitariums they have to be such like heavy feelings because there's so much trauma that occurred there. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, it is a different, it's a, it's a totally different field. But yes, Gettysburg is definitely, there's a Gettysburg orphanage um, that I would like to go to. And um, oh, wow. Stone Manor. Yeah. So yeah, all the places with the history, that's where you, that's where you feel like you're going to find um, what you're looking for. But yeah, the, the sanatoriums, they kind they make me sad, but I feel like, you know, I feel like when I go to those places, like maybe they just want to be heard and I, and I would love to listen to them if I, you know, if I could, I would love to be the person that's there to listen to the story that they, where they actually are heard and not just looked at as a crazy person that we want to conduct experiments on. I think that's the draw for going to historical sites and doing like a ghost hunt or thinking that maybe you'll be able to experience some, you know, ghostly activity because you want more of the history. You know, it would be really nice. We communicate with some of the people who lived it to tell us what actually happened. Yes. And just from their point of view. So, you know, if there was a way to communicate, that would be fantastic. Yeah, it really would. It really would. I, you know, I wish I had one of those senses where, well, you know, be careful what you wish for. I always think it's very fascinating for the psychic mediums to be able to communicate with. And and no, I don't believe every single one of them is real. But <laughs> but I do believe that there are people that do have that ability. And it's pretty amazing when it's real. And I would love to have a talent like that, that, um, or I think I would love it, you know, I might not if I had it, but I don't. And so I would love to have it. It's kind of like the curly hair wanting the straight hair and the straight hair (laughs) wanting the curly hair. So, um, (laughs) so I I think, 
What about you, Ash? Do you want to be able to be able to communicate in some way with ghosts? Are you okay without that? You know, I'm I'm with Yvette on this. I, I think it's something you wish for until you have it. And then you might regret it. So I think I'm pretty okay not having that line of communication open. Yeah. What about you, Paige? I think if I was going to have one of, um, you know how there's different ways you can perceive things. Like some people have the gift of audio clairvoyance where they can hear, you know, the voices or they can see, or, I mean, so there's just like different facets of it. I would be okay with, you know, I can read notes from ghosts. If they want to leave me a note, <laughs> with that, that is, that's the way I would like to communicate. That's hilarious. Leave that's me a note. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Yvette, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Paige, do you have any more questions before we wrap up? No, this up? was so much fun. I feel like we could go on and on for days about the stories. Um, I, I'm going to get some more yeah. people reaching out to you to have you investigate their homes. I want to hear some stories. I would I would love to do that. Um, I would love it. I, w- I really would enjoy if somebody did reach out to us and and ask us to come. It's just, you know, it's just the two of us. And like I said, though, if you, if you want nothing to happen, call me. Um, yeah, thanks so much for your time. We're definitely going to have to do a part two of this. A part two for sure. And we'll put um, your information in a link when we post this. Okay. Sounds great. All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone. And we'll, uh, we'll touch base again. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.